entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Drivers are born, not made. You never drive a track, boy, without walking it. Smelling out every inch. Checking the weak spots. Tracks change, boy. Coming out of the straightaway on a track, you hit the turn high and on the outside, and don't drift. You drift on a turn with all that traffic behind you, and you wind up in somebody's lap. So you say to yourself, in slow and out fast. In slow and out fast. Yeah, you pick your groove and you stay with it. Let's go for a ride. What about the safety belt? Keep your hands opposite each other on that wheel. Sounds pretty good. We're only turning 3,600. We'll see how it handles coming off the turns. Just over that hill. Sure feels good, Mitch. In slow, out fast. Okay. Mitch Cooper. Hiya, Roy. I've been looking for you for a long time. Search the car. I mean, search it. Wait a minute. What for? I'm just taking a ride with my friend. I was teaching him how to drive. Get out, both of you. All right. You say so, Roy. Don't know what you expect to find, though. Hmm. What happened? Oh, I I mashed my ankle real bad. Sorry. So sorry. Thanks for false floorboard. Yes, sir. No man has ever caused me more sleepless nights than you have, Cooper. 
Well, why? Because I used to like to drive around these mountains late at night? You know what I mean. He's clean, sir. Can't be. Search for dummy gas tank. Okay, sir. Hey, you know, Les, Roy here would have made a good driver on the circuit. How come you never turned your talents to race driving? Keep talking, big boy. You get used to the sound of your own voice when they turn the key on you. Not a thing. Can't be. No dummy gas tanks, no false floorboard, nothing. Not a thing. Hey, just a minute. You didn't stop me because you thought I was running shine, did you? Oh, get out of here, both of now, you. Now, wait a minute, Roy. You know I wouldn't break the law. I'll get you yet. Get out. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. If you love classic cars, then Donald loves you. Hi, it's Donald Osborne, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome to tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google fan, talk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreetmotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us, and check out nostalgicradioandcars.com, where you can go listen to all our past shows. Good evening, Bobby. Good evening. Well, Merry almost Christmas. Merry almost Christmas? Okay, yeah, that's pretty this good. Is the, this is the Christmas show, Christmas Eve show. Christmas show Eve. Christmas the, show the, Eve? The show before Christmas, the Christmas show. Wait a minute, that's next week. That's the Christmas show next week. Is it really? So I have... This is a plug for the Christmas show on December 20th. Wow. Yep. Time flies. I cannot believe that this year is almost gone, and we're heading into 2023. Amazing. Okay, so let's, uh, let's kind of recap what we did this weekend. This weekend, I went to uh, a little kind of a intimate car show in sarasota when i say intimate basically a smaller car show you know uh, going to big car shows is a lot of fun um every second saturday of the month down there at the university town center in sarasota they have a huge cars and coffee it started out years ago it was just a couple cars then a few more then a few more and then a whole bunch more and now they got hundreds 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 probably five six hundred cars show up there pretty amazing you got to get there early because mall opens at 10 i think so they want you in and out by then. And, uh, you know, it's cars and coffee, so there's somebody out there peddling donuts and coffee and good stuff like that. But, you know, it's amazing. Sarasota's got some really, really interesting cars down there. I mean, outside of the run-of-the-mill, you know, Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, and usual German stuff, you know, the, the stuff that you see all the time, particularly if you walked into a street side or a gateway car dealership, used car dealership, which I was there today, so I'm going to big shout-out to my friend Dave over there at uh, Street Side Classics over in Lutz. Excuse me. Anyway, um, but a lot of interesting cars. I was there, I think, last month. I didn't go this month. I had some other stuff coming up, but I did go to a small little show, and there's probably about 20, 25 cars there, and uh, just interesting stuff. A friend of mine, Walt, had a beautiful 55 or 56 Austin Healey 104 with a slightly modified motor with the Le Mans kit on it. That was cars that were modified. Cars that were race, sports cars that were modified for Le Mans back in the day. Um, had little different cylinder heads, a little different exhaust, a little different camshafts, different carburetors, sometimes different uh, gear ratios. Transmissions were all pretty much the same. And uh, and then maybe a little body work, you know, like this one. And the Healy had, for example, louvered hoods. 
And it's a really interesting car. You know, then there was another guy there by the name of Mike. He had a real nice uh, 12 cylinder Jag. And interesting story about that. See, it, this is what makes these, these venues kind of fun. So this guy buys this car, buys this house in uh, Sarasota on the water, and so he has the key down there. And in the car is a in the garage is a car. It's a Jaguar, okay, Jaguar, and uh, it's a V12 automatic. And as it turned out, the car, the house was formerly owned by Jackie Stewart, legendary, you know, Formula One racer, Jackie Stewart's um, a relative of his, I'll say, because I don't remember exactly who it was. And when they sold the house, the Jag was included in the house. Now, how cool is that? So here you have a car that has a connection with legendary Formula One uh, driver, Jackie Stewart. So that was kind of interesting. Well, anyway, so they found out about it. They sent him some information, and Jackie Stewart sent back some information, including the fact that he drove the car when he was on vacation over here. So that's pretty cool, too, with some autographed memorabilia and some interesting things like that, pictures. So that's pretty cool. From there, I proceeded down to Naples and was doing a a pre-purchase inspection on a 70 Boss 429 down there that I have a customer looking at, which was kind of a pretty cool car. Original car, original paint. I mean, right down to muffler clamps, practically. And a real interesting car. Had the magnums. I actually had a different set of magnums, but became with the original ones. And, and uh, you know, all the stuff under the hood was all correct and everything like that. Interior was nice. and uh, But just a nice, clean, original Survivor car. And that's kind of what I'm into, is I like Survivor cars. You restore a car, mm, you know, you, you take away some of the, the, the character of the car and the story that's along with the car, particularly after so many years. And this car only had 20,000 miles on it. You know, a lot of cars, we were talking about this the other day with a customer, a lot of Shelbys, a lot of bosses, a lot of muscle cars back in the day. If you had, you know, twenty between twenty and forty-five thousand miles seems to be the number, magic number. Those cars only got driven three, four, five years, and then they got sold, and then they or they got parked, and then they got uh, maybe changed hands, and then changed hands again, and then changed hands, and always with the intentions that they're going to do something with the car, but not always, you know, it doesn't always follow through. So that's kind of interesting. So that the history is kind of interesting in cars. And from there, I proceeded to Palm Beach, and I went to the Palm Beach Concourse. Now there were some interesting cars there. Speaking of our friends over at Streetside Classic, I think about four or five months ago, I was doing a PPI on a '69 SS 396 in uh, Chevelle. By coincidence, my guy never bought that car, but here the car is at the concourse down there, and it was a very very nice car. It was a restored car. And uh, so I walked up to the owner, and I asked the owner, I said, hey, look, uh, is this your car? He says, yeah. I said, did you recently buy this? He goes, well, I actually said it was his dad. And I said, did you buy this car recently from Streetside Classics? He says, uh, up in Tampa? I said, yeah. He says, yeah, I did a PPI on the car. So you just it's a small world, you know. I mean, you just never really know. And that was kind of a cool, uh, cool experience. There was also a 67 Shelby sitting beside it, a, uh, I think they call them X11 or Z11, X11. The uh, pace car Camaros, there was one of those there. There was a Superbird sitting there. Um, a couple of very, very nice Ferraris. And um, in fact, while I was there, I bumped into two guys I hadn't seen in a while. I usually run into them at Monterey or at Amelia Island, Concord. And one was uh, Luigi Canetti Jr. I pronounced it correct. C H is pronounced K. Canetti. And C I is pronounced Chi as in C H A. Ciao. They say goodbye in Italy, time. And uh, and then another guy by the name of Randy Cox. And Randy Cox was a former, and we're going to get him on the show, both these guys. Randy Cox was a former designer with Ford. He started in 1969. He's also got an industrial design background. But one of the cars that he worked on was, towards the tail end, was a 71 Boss 351. So we've had Boss 302 guys on, Boss 429 guys. 
Obviously, we're four people. But anyway, but now we're going to have a Boss 351 guy on. So that's going to be kind of interesting. But this is the beauty of going to these events. When you go to these major events, some of these exclusive events, you run into some really interesting people. And, and, and that's what makes this whole car hobby a lot of fun. Now, don't get me wrong. You can go down to Goobers and Lubers or what do they call that? Steak and, no. Um, what's that place down there? <laughs> Quaker Steak and Lube. I call it Goobers and Luber. And there's some interesting people down there, too. And there's also the guys that have been hanging around there for 30, 40 years, and they're still in the same chair. Maybe they once in a while they move, and that's when they go to the restroom. But other than that, uh, <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a little imprint in the media, in the, asphalt, in the little median right, yeah, 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 right yeah. <laughs> But you know, we hang out with those guys because they're car guys. It's all about the car guy and the car guy hobby, you know. And uh, but but the cars that have true history and, and and interesting backgrounds, along with the people and the personalities, that's what makes this hobby very very interesting because it's extremely eclectic and it just stretches all across the board. Now, if you stay tuned to the rest of the show, we're gonna have a really interesting guy on the show, and we're gonna be talking about some very very interesting cars. So on that note, Bobby's going to go ahead and fire up the, oh yeah, real quick, uh, FLA car shows, if you want to find out where everything's going, Mecham starts beginning is the first week in uh, the auction. 4,000 cars, 4,000 cars, that's the first week in January. Scottsdale Collector Car Week, that's towards the end of the month, and they got some amazing stuff there, including uh, the uh, new, improved version of the Arizona Concourse, Barrett-Jackson, you know, the usual guys, or uh, cast of characters, I should say. And then, of course, this weekend, if you haven't be slumming in uh, Lady Lake, uh, the Village's Car Show, which is uh, every third Saturday of the month. On that note, we're going to a, a little song, a commercial, and we'll be right back. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Well, I'd rather go and journey where the diamond crescent's glowing and run across the valley beneath the sacred mountain and wander through the Carshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. 
you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Radio and cars. Okay, live radio. All right, so uh, what's coming up this week? Well, I told everybody what was going on this weekend. I said, yeah, the villages and uh, Scottsdale and all this other kind of stuff. And, of course, the Christmas holidays are coming up here. So I want everybody to get on the, uh, let's see. I don't. I think that's the only car show. But anyway, if you want to find out where all the other Christmas car shows are going on, and if there's any Christmas parades, definitely check out flacarshows.com. And let's see, what did I do today? Oh, today I went and uh, I went to Rick's European. I was down there scrounging for a drive shaft for one of my customers for his race car because he's going to go to the firm this weekend, which is over in, I guess it's off 301 near Waldo. It's a kind of a small 1.6 mile road course, and they do club racing there, which is kind of fun. I think one of these days, Bobby and I, you and I will have to go over there and, and uh, go check that out and see what kind of cool. Um, cool driving experiences we can have that's a lot of fun if not you know we just find, try to find some country road and just don't get too wild and crazy on it and uh let's see what else uh oh yeah then i was up with a couple of, uh, robert's auto body up here in clearwater they actually have a nice set of cars in there there's three two z28s in there 69 z28s 169 428 cobra jet mach 1 a 69 shelby and i can't remember what the other car was must have been a General Motors, and I didn't pay any attention to it. But they're all, but you know me, I'm a Ford guy. But anyway, on that note, um, so, you know, day-to-day operations are, you know, hunting and pecking and soliciting and out there taking care of business. Um, I was talking to some of the body shops. So I'm in and out of this stuff all the time. And then one of these days, what we're going to do, some of these designers that we're going to have, we're going to talk about some of these new cars because these cars are getting so electronic, so sophisticated that it's just it's just mind blowing when I when I like I said when I go to some of these shops, and uh, and even the guys that you know that work on these cars they're getting to the point right now where they they can't keep up with the uh, you know the education the background they have to go to tech schools all the time just to kind of and this is for body shop guys it used to be a body shop guy was a metal beater panel you know panel beater you know and the mechanics to call dirty work but now the body shop guys have to come in there and do stuff so now they got to come in there and and uh, um, you know they got to have all this mechanical background particularly. Um, scan capability or scan. Uh, you got you know fifty million backup sensors in one bumper yeah. cover. There are all these different you know sensors that are attached to the uh, you know to the body panels. Yeah, it's just it's just it's absolutely crazy. So you know, I mean, just a, sl- a slight little fender bender now is going to cost you three four grand by the time you know, and that's just a little paint work and cover up a scratch. But then all the sensors got boogered up because once they do their thing. You know, they got to be either reset or they got to be changed. You can't reuse them. You know, once they're used, they're just like a one-shot only thing. Anyway, mirrors, stuff like that, they all have them. You know, lane detection, that's all got, you know, half a dozen sensors there. And uh, that that gets knocked off. 
Give me a '50s, '60s car that's runs and good, runs good, it's tuned up, and everything's there. Even even '80s, you know, still. Oh, what do you need? You know, power steering, power brakes, power windows, air conditioning, power seats is kind of nice, and and that and a radio. That's all you pretty much need, right, Bobby? Radios are good. Radios are good. Radios are good. Okay, gotta have to listen, listen to us. Yeah, you got to listen to nostalgic radio and cars. Okay, on that note, let's go ahead and fire up the stereo. Let's give our guest a call because he's anxiously waiting, and I'm anxiously anxiously waiting. And uh, geez, here's the seeds. The seeds. Oh yeah, let's go back to do some '60s music here. You tune into nostalgic radio and cars. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Piper Laurie and daredevil Don Taylor in Johnny Dark. Reckless and thrilling in color by Technicolor. I'm just asking for a reason, that's all. Is there something wrong with the car? Let's say you didn't have the age or experience for the job. You can tell Scotty I quit. This is the story of a boy, Johnny Dark, who challenged the future. The friend he fought. The girl they both loved. The grueling, nerve-wracking competition they faced in the field of sport car building and racing. A Canada to Mexico three-day road race through forests, over mountains and deserts, bringing you thrill upon thrill as death rides with every driver. And suppose you do lose the race. Who cares? I care! Dark must be going 150. Straight away, Johnny! Take him! This is Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Thank you there, Wayne. Anyway, all right. So I'm delighted to welcome my special guest this evening. He is uh, probably one of the most uh, prolific automotive historians, but he's got a specialty. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. I'm delighted to welcome to the show the owner and founder of Undiscovered Classics and Forgotten Fiberglass, Jeffrey Hacker. Jeffrey, how are you? Hey, doing fine. Thanks for the very nice intro. I, I even heard Johnny Dark playing in the background. I played that specifically because I believe there's a couple cars in that movie that you have a connection to, correct? 
Yeah, uh, that, and we can talk about that in detail. You'll just have to. I have a little too much detail, and I okay. can talk more than I need to. So you need to be able to cut me off where it's appropriate. <laughs> for All you. right, happy to happy to talk about it. But congratulations on your anniversary and show number six eleven. Did I hear right? Uh, no, I think we're six thirty. Oh, okay. Well, I was I was watching it online. I thought I watched the live when it said live and all. So, congratulations uh, on your anniversary weeks ago. Then, uh, uh, yes, yes, that one's on the side because it was very heavily viewed. And then also, every one huh? of, every one of our posts says NRC twelve hashtag NRC twelve on it. So sometimes that comes across as anniversary. But anyway. Oh, cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so let's talk about let's talk about those two. First, introduce yourself and tell everybody kind of a little bit about you. Give yourself a little background here. Um, Carlisle, my name's Jeff Hacker. I'm 60 years old this year, so I still I think I'm I still I think I'm a young guy at the shows. So I think I'll always feel that. Um, my first car was when I was 14, 1955 Cadillac. I kept it 20 years. It kept me out of trouble. I'm not sure I would have gotten in trouble. It was serial number five five six zero four 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 nine two. I remember that 47 years later. Good car. Um, always loved cars. My grandfather sold uh, new Chevys when I was a teenager. He'd bring me down to Keystone Chevrolet, which was that fancy. Oh, what's that Chevrolet place that did in Chicago? That was um, they did the Nikki? high high end. Nikki Chevrolet. Nikki Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah. That's where Keystone bought it from Nikki, and that's where I spent a good deal of my early years. But just at the facility, not doing anything wow. other than yeah. So that was in the seventies. Should have been. It was Nikki, and then it turned into Keystone. But okay. I'm not a historian for those guys. So it's kind of in my in my blood. Um, you know, going back to the earliest years, I, I I used to dream when I was a small kid, like six years old, maybe someday I could have a junkyard, and now I have a junkyard. I'm really, it's not the same as the dream. <laughs> We've got all the fiberglass cars that we save, and and that junkyard is a very special thing. And you can, if you want to talk about that down the road, but just so your 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 listeners know, it's called uh, Fiberglass Farms, and it's been on Tom Cotter's show before. It's been on Americana and the Speed Channel. And what we do is we save these one-off or rare hand-built cars from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But at the farms, it's really the 40s and the 50s. And um, and we queue them up. We hope for restoration. And we've done 26 cars in the last 16 years through myself and through people that we work with. Um, sometimes they buy cars, and I think we've got about six or seven in restoration for various people right now in different facilities around here in Tampa. So I'm kind of like a project manager, historian. Uh, I am, a, I've been called an adventurer. What do they call me? Ultravan savior. The people who know Carver Ultravans. I have had several Ultravans over the years. I think I just bought another one and traded for it. I have prototype RVs. Uh, we've got over 100 cars right now. And it's always in a state of coming and going. Um, about a third of our customers used to be overseas, but something happened with a dollar back in 2018. I'm not a finance guy, so most of our customers and friends are here. Uh, and the kind of impact in, is uh, that we're having that I'm honored to say is complete support from the hobby. This coming year, we've got a class of cars at Amelia Island, the Concord Elegance, called Fiberglass Dreams. We also have a class of cars this coming year at Pebble Beach, uh, up to 15 cars. We're still working out the number, and that's called Dream Cars of the 50s. And these are the Amelia's all fiberglass hand-built design cars. Pebble is all is fiberglass and steel and aluminum. It's all three, and we've done that before with Pebble. And we have a couple planned exhibitions at the Peterson Automotive Museum, which will be announced in the next few months, and a brand new show we're kicking off with. Um, the people are kicking off a show where we're helping them do it in Crescent, Texas. Jack Fark um, is doing, a, for the very first time, something called the Hand-Built Auto Show at the raceway there. Texas Motorsport Ranch. You may probably be familiar with that one. That's uh, 
outside of um, just west of Dallas. And that's what he's doing. It's a country club raceway kind of thing. So interesting. Hope I didn't bore you guys too no, much. No, so no, 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 no. And uh, so, so I, I kind of wanted to go ahead. You were getting ready to say something. Well, I'm, what I what I love is history. I don't. I'm, I'm not familiar with in history that's significant, um, and history that is fun. And the the area of specialty that you mentioned to your listeners is really just discovering and documenting the story of the post-war effort, some pre-war, where people would design and build their own cars. And you'll hear me time and time again in these different shows say something like, you know, General Motors and you know building the concept cars in. Um, you know, Ford and Chrysler, they're all wonderful. Who doesn't like them? I've seen them all my life, you know, but people were influenced. Bob, you know, Bobby was, Robert was, Jeff was, and, and but people in the 50s were influenced and they designed and built and drove their own things. See, after World War II, you, you really had an influx of people back from, from uh, you know, the successful, uh, uh, successful but devastating World War II. And they saw smaller cars and sporty cars, and that whole thing kind of led to the influence of designing and building around cars. And by the time the Corvette debuted, and you might be able to buy within the fall of 53, hard to get, but they were all spoken for, there were already 50 American sports cars you could build or buy built. All those companies built their own, too. Um, and we have 35 of them, either in museums or at the farms, or at my house, where the the world's largest collection of cars that shouldn't be in my house. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I, think, I think the code enforcement came by, fell to the knees weeping. I had to go out there and console them. But it's okay. <laughs> we can't tow what we don't know. This is a Grantham Stardust. Do you want to tow that? No, it's okay. Nice, nice people. Uh, <laughs> I think they're in therapy now. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings us to the movie Johnny Dark. Okay, so there was a car in oh, there, and I yeah. believe it was called the Woodhill Woodfire. So you're familiar with that car, and of course, there were and Glass Bar was another company back then. And you mentioned fifty cars that were built prior to the Corvette. Well, that, were, so sure. talk well, about that car just as an example, and segue into kind of like the theme back in the day and why because like well, Colonel LeMay was responsible for, for sports car racing in the United States and like you mentioned these people came back from the service they've been driving small sports cars over there because they didn't have big American cars the roads are small they're narrow but they're a lot of fun so then those people were influenced and then racing and then a lot of these cars were built with the intentions to be race cars correct yeah, but, but yes, and remember, race cars and racing back then was also a gentleman's sport, and so you weren't sponsored by different companies. Uh, a lot of the cars that were built and raced were driven during the week mm-hmm. and, and raced on the weekend. I have one here. It was actually a Singer, which is a, a different company uh, akin to um, MG, and it very much looks like AMG. And Ralph Bush is 88 or 89 this year. I bought it uh, and found his race car. Now, it's not a fiberglass special. But I asked him what he, how he got it around. He said, well, we would flat tow it, meaning you know, put a bar on it and tow it behind the car. Or we'd drive the car. And he would see his friends Phil Hill and oh, I forget some of the other names because it was a much smaller community. It wasn't the – they were famous in small circles, and people would drive their own cars to the – not all of them, but some of them to the races. And that all changed in the late 50s. But um, go back to Johnny Dark. Johnny Dark is a really cool movie, and something happened um, – I searched, I, I worked with Universal Studios to try to encourage them, but without, without power, to uh, re-release the movie in high definition, because it's a very special sports car movie. You know, we know the ones in the 60s, whether they're Grand Prix, um, 
there's another well, not bullet is more of a you know a, a drama and a, a wild chase scene, but Grand Prix there's another one. What Le Mans, Le Mans, yeah. you know, Le Mans, thank you. Yeah, yeah Le Mans. Wonderful movies. And if you look at Johnny Dark in fifty four, you say, Oh well that's Tony Curtis and Piper Laurie and Don Taylor and it's kind of fun. Uh, even the professor from Gilligan Island is a guy in there. He's sorry, at the Packard Proving Grounds doing some testing. It's really cool. But you say, well, this is kind of hokey, except in uh, I met two or three of the drivers who were in that movie in 1954. It was done in 53, released in June of 54. And they said, Jeff, this wasn't a B-movie. Tony Curtis, Piper Laurie, these were A-level stars back then. And they even paid for the Widow Wildfire. They paid um, my friend $5,000 to keep her running and ready for the race, um, for the time it was at the first race at the Santa Barbara Airport in California, the Goleta Airport, and then throughout the movie scenes in the second race in the movie, which was staged. So in that era of driving your car to the race, gentlemen racing, nothing, you know, not a, a teams and timing and so forth, um, you had this great interest in sports cars and people building their own. And in fact, there were more magazine covers in the 50s of hand-built sports cars than there are combination Corvette, Thunderbird, um, Kaiser Darren you know, covers together. And I've got a whole list of them on the website, uh, not a list of images of all the different covers, over 100. Very, very impressive, very popular and completely forgotten today. That's the part that interested me, completely forgotten. And... I started doing the research in 2006 or so with my buddy Rick Dillery, who, Robert, you've met, and maybe Bobby, I don't know if Bobby knew Rick or not. Rick is yeah, he met Rick. Before. Yeah. But good. When Everyone had thought about Rick. Yeah, when we used to go to Zephyr Hills, he'd be there, and Bobby met him. Oh, cool. He was a little kid Rick, then. You, yeah. <laughs> well, Rick was a great guy. We all miss him. But uh, in 2006 or seven, we started the research, and what we found is that yeah, this was a building, racing your own cars, even driving your own sports cars, was the bomb in the early 50s, backed up by all the articles, backed up by people we did interviews with. And the Universal Studios movie, Johnny Dark, done in 53, early 54, released in June of 54, was meant to be the most important race film of its era, and it probably was. Um, on our website, we've got an 11-page production notes that we uncovered in the archives at Universal Studios. And the production notes were meant for distribution, talking about the importance of race car movies throughout the ages, as seen by them in 53. And it lists them all, going back to the 20s and 30s. And it talked about bringing in designers to design what would be some of the most famous sports cars and sports car designers of the future. And this is, again, 1953. And it lists the cars out, but it wasn't just the Widow Wildfire. It was also the glass part, which you mentioned, the Grantham Stardust, the Victorious S1A, the... Um, Oh, let's see, we had the Tatum Special, which was aluminum, and we had the Bowman Special, which was aluminum. I could go into those in a little bit of detail. But we had, I think it was uh, five cars that were hand-built, one-off, um, well, hand-built specials, limited production. Grantham Stardust, if I didn't mention that. It's a great car. We have one. Um, and then there were two cars that were um, a Curtis sports car, which you may have heard of before, the KSCs, from Ford, the pre-Munz cars. They, were, they ultimately became Munzes when they were mm-hmm. stretched. Uh, there was one of those, and there was something else. I have to go back and look. But there were eight cars in that second race, five of which were fiberglass, two of which were hand-built aluminum. Maybe the Curtis was the eighth one. The Curtis would have been the one in the heavy, heavily production car, which I think they made 20 of or 15, something like that. So it's really, they, they recognize that in the air. They recognize in the production notes. <clears throat> they recognize the promotion they wanted to do in the movie, and we have all what are called campaign literature, um, and we have it on the website showing that they were encouraging sports car shows and Gymkhana events, you know, the old Gymkhana where you'd 
performing art to current movie theaters. We even have a trophy from back then for Johnny Dark. And, well, wow. It, it should be, um, and we have some of the movie cars. Um, the Grantham Stardust from there is uh, at my place. We've got the mechanical restoration done. It's not my car. It's uh, David DeLuca. But it's slated to be done here next year and hopefully debut at Amelia. We just finished the restoration of one of the two wildfires, and so now owned by Jack Farr in Texas. It's that person who owns that motorsport ranch. And we debuted Amelia two years ago. Yeah, not this year, but last year. So 2021. Um, the red one is the, the main car, the one, uh, Robert, you're talking about. It was found, I found it in Colorado owned by a friend when I did all the research. He didn't believe me that he had the car. And I'm like, here's all the research. Okay. Huh. Steve Cotton. I always tease him about that. Um, the, and that one has been replicated several times. So you'll see a few of them out there. But um, you, all you have to do is match all the history to the movie and you can identify them yourself. So it's pretty easy. Um, I, I did a whole story of it on the website on Discover Classics. So then we found the Victor sits in there. I think we found, we didn't find the glass bar, but, um, yeah, I, and, or the Lancer, although we have examples of both cars. So um, I hope I'm not boring you too much. No, yet. no, no, a lot no, of too, no. A lot of detail. So all of these cars are new to your, your listeners. They'd have to go to Undiscover Classics or type in Grantham Stardust or, Victress or um, Glass Par, any of those, they can see all those really cool images. You can see them racing. And the production notes tell you just how important that film was. And all the actors are dead except Piper Laurie. She's about 90 now. Um, I did reach out to um, the uh, Tony Curtis before he passed away just to see if he had any information. He was so funny. He said, well, I remember the movie, but I've done a lot of movies, Jeff. <laughs> and I've done a lot of cars and a lot of dated a lot of women, and you know, there's nothing I can help you. He was very nice, but he couldn't help. He was in Las Vegas, um, but I became I went out and and spent a day or two with Universal Studios, going through all their records, and because it's it was a really important film. And here's the kicker: I think people may finally start to realize that because I put it, they never released it like I wanted to. They released it. You'd see it on Speed Channel 20 years ago. Robert, you probably saw it on Speed Channel a few times. Um, Tony Curtis is um, Johnny Dark. And they and it was a nice copy, but they never released it in high def, and they never released it on DVD or VHS. You could see it and get copies off TV. So then out of nowhere, Europe, um, Universal Studios Europe released it. And so I said, well, guys, how come you didn't tell me it released? He said, well, we never know what they do over there. Oh, thank you. So we have a high-definition copy I shipped over from Europe and then trans it's up on YouTube in the end result so people can watch it up until this year there were about 30,000 views in the last three months it's closing in on 190,000 so in the last it went something algorithm something changed and people are watching that movie now so you can see the full length high definition movie the best I can provide for free out there on YouTube if you just search for Johnny Dark you know full length picture and people are watching it that's excellent that's excellent let me ask you a question too would you say what was kind of like the uh um, motivator for guys to kind of say, you know, I want to, I can, I don't want a Jaguar, I don't want a Porsche, I don't want a, a Healy, I don't want an Allard, I want, a, you know, my own car, so I can go racing. Is that oh, that's much, a, that's a, is that the that's motivation? a very easy one to answer? First of all, there was no one to repair them. You know, second, you know, and there were these were exotic cars. So you had to know, you probably wanted to belong to SSCA or a sports car, SCCA, Sports Car Club of America. I mean, you had um, one or two distributors out on the West Coast, um, Shell Cavalli in San Francisco, mm-hmm. who I got to know, I was honored to. And um, 
I don't know, in L.A. there was something called International Motors, and I'd recognize the names if I heard them. They weren't around when I was doing the research. But they were in L.A., and then you had um, Ferguson Motors in New York. Yeah, they, they were not... These are not common cars, and the guys who... Um, I'll, I'll give you the best example. Here, here's the best example. It's from one of the neatest people I met. And he says, everyone's passed. I'm surprised I found so many people. Jay Hunan. Jay Hunan was the chairman of Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. Jay was a real car, real car guy. I got to know him in the last part years of his life because he built one of these from scratch. And he built one in the early 50s. Now, Jay is known for his Spano Spizo and other really high exotic cars and for running the whole darn event at Pebble Beach, which is the the zenith of our hobby for conquerors and showing cars. And I was a friend with him. And, well, I didn't even know who he was for the first year or two. I finally had to ask him. Um, and he built this car in the early, he started in 1954, and it's called a Singer Special. It was featured in Motor Trend magazines in late, in like 56 or 57. He built it from scratch, going using parts of a mold. His brother, Cy, helped him. It took about two years. The average amount of time it would take to build one of these cars the average was 2,000 hours. Whoa. Now, 2,000 hours is if you're from human resources, is is 50 weeks of 40-hour weeks, and then two more weeks off for vacation, right? So that's 2,000 hours. If you translate it to 50 bucks an hour, that's $100,000 in modern terms for labor for one of these cars. It's just amazing. It's amazing that any got finished. That's the, the story to me of these cars in America. It's not the story. It's the story of how people were inspired by Detroit. And and they went designed and built around things. Two thousand. I celebrate when I vacuum my house that rare occasion. These guys were building cars <laughs> two thousand hours. All right. So let's go back to um, Jay Hunan. So Jay builds this car. It's beautiful. I've been looking for it. I, I found a Singer Special, not his, out in California. And I was hoping to find it while he was alive because he was. You know, I'm, I'm. I may go to those shows, but I'm really a grassroots car guy. My grandfather's selling Chevys, and my building my own Cadillac in the 50, in the 70s and 80s, and that kind of stuff. I'm not a blue jacket kind of person. It would be fun, but I don't speak the language. Um, but Jay and I became friends because Jay um, built and designed his own car, and I I really enjoyed that. And I said, "Well, you never did it again." You went. He goes, "Well, by the late 50s, Jeff, I could I could buy a used Jaguar. I could buy a used Alpha." They were finally getting not only places to repair, but you could find them and you could buy them. That's the answer to your question. So, a long answer, but it's context. Once the cars started becoming number, you know, used cars, and they were out there, people could afford them. They were still expensive by American standards, and then expensive to maintain, and it was like having an Apple computer. There's, it's a wonderful computer, there's fewer people to repair them, and everything is more costly for them. You better like Apple. It's a wonderful stuff. <laughs> well, now let me ask you this. So fiberglass was a relatively new product back then. I mean, it really wasn't even – it was kind of working its way into the to the, to the the um, boat industry. So and, – and so it had to be kind of interesting for these people to work with that have never worked with it before. I mean, so what kind of stories do you have there? I mean, anything interesting? Well, I can go in any direction you want. Your questions are excellent. They kind of go to the core of certain pieces of this history. Um, fiberglass came out, oh, 1919, 1920, 1905. You know, the, the idea of, because fiberglass is just one version of what we call a composite material. Okay. Another composite material that we ooh and ah over now is what? Carbon, carbon fiber. Carbon fiber, right. God forbid we do it. God forbid we look at a car in fiberglass. Oh, my God, but carbon fiber. Oh my God! Let's go driving. People drove to see composite cars in the fifties, 
as they do today to see a carbon fiber car. That's a carbon fiber. Look at the carbon fiber hood. Same awe and excitement in the 50s. Fiberglass started to be used. It was first shown at a very high level in the 1939 New York World's Fair. I've got samples of it and come see this new wonder material. Um, in the late 40s, some smaller little cars. I remember after World War II, everyone coming back, it wasn't like uh, it was a recession. Lots of people and no jobs. You know, there's a transition time after the war. So people were buying economy cars and what are called shopping cars. We call them kind of golf carts or go-kart little things. Not go-karts, but big cars for small cars for two people. Um, Shriner cars, that's what I call them. Okay. Little things. <laughs> uh, electric and motor, no, and no disrespect to the slightest, but very small little cute things, but not full-size cars. Those were done in fiberglass, many of them. IMP, something called the IMP was one of them, okay. 1949 and 15. But those, to me, are a different class of cars. The first car in fiberglass would have been the Lancer and the Glass Bar, which simultaneously debuted at the 1951 um, Peterson Motorama in Los Angeles, not the General Motors Motorama, um, which was at the same place they were, the um, Pan Pacific Auditorium. You know, this, we always think of the Motorama pictures, but we don't realize that there were more motoramas in California held by the Peterson organization, which did hot rod and motor trend, than General Motors. And so often when we see motorama pictures, we don't ask the question, which one? Um, it was never really promoted it now as to which one, but they're very different and and all exciting. You couldn't go wrong with any one of them. And then the fact that they were in the same facility made it worse. So fiberglass comes out in 39, and then boat companies in the mid-40s started actually not just using, I mean, fooling around with it, but building their boats out of fiberglass. And one of them was Biltrit. And in the late 40s and early 50s, there were a lot of companies building fiberglass boats across the country. Um, Ray Green, I forgot his company, Wizard or something, in Toledo, Ohio. And um, there were companies in New York. And there's companies that were building boats that are still open now in fiberglass. Anchorage Plastics in Rhode Island or Massachusetts or so. Uh, built some cars, but built boats, too. So you had this material that you used, and when one of customers uh, and friends of Bill Tritt from Glasspar said, I want to build a car, um, and, and he said, well, let's do it on a fiberglass, because Bill owned Glasspar, and, and it was the new wonder material. And, and there's a story about how that became, during the Korean War, there were shortages, and how actually it became, uh, how he got the resin and others to actually build something and then launch the company. But what took Bill forward was Life Magazine did this beautiful photo exposition, yeah. big magazine, pretty pictures, see-through material, and they called it the Wonder Material in 52, February 52. And that's when um, fiberglass cars became explosive in terms of study, or study and, and to get their fame, that is, and people wanted to see them and buy them and so forth. So um, the glass bar and Lancer started it, and... In 1951, the there were only two companies, uh, three, you know, Wasp, Scorpion Wasp was a third smaller car, though. Uh, and that's got a cool story, too. And then 52, there were about 25 companies building cars. In 53, there were like 40 companies building cars. That's just fiberglass, not steel and aluminum, which, Robert, you may remember, I had the Curtis Alejandros. Those were done in 47 and 48. That was another car you could buy. It was a sports car. Um, that was out of aluminum, and there are several cars that you could buy like that by small companies as well. Out of aluminum, very few in steel, but mostly out of aluminum, soft, malleable material. And I, going to see one in the 50s was just like we think about the carbon fiber. My God, let's go look at the wonder material, but now we have a tendency to incorrectly think, oh, it's just fiberglass. It's really, it's all about 
design, and it's all about excitement. It's not about the material. Um, but uh, fiberglass is one of them. I have an inquiry here from one of our listeners, and he wants to know, um, what do you know about the Covington? Was the Covington uh, uh, (laughs) specially car back then? Well, whoever asked that, you didn't ask that. That's that's one of my cars. Henry Covington was, um, uh, I mean, that's how I got started in this whole thing. Um, Henry Covington in the late 50s, and we're we're hosting a bunch of posts on Facebook right now under Undiscovered Classics on Instagram, all about the story. In 5960, he started working with Augustus Raspit. Henry was an industrial designer like Raymond Lowy and you know, a lot of industrial designers out there. You know, very few became famous like Book Stevens and Raymond Lowy, but uh, the uh, Henry Covington was well known in watches and silverware. And the Covington family are still friends of mine um, to this day. Um, and Henry wanted to build a. He he loved cars from the. He, but he was in the 50s. He had one of the first 356s that was in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, the family did. And they want, he wanted to build a car, a different kind of body for that. He wanted to build, had nothing to do with Porsche. It had to do with a car he wanted to design as an industrial designer. And that's, Robert's called the Shark, which is what the Covington is. Covington okay. is the designer and the Shark. That's that's where it comes from. Okay. So here I am, but as I moved to Florida, and I'm... 17, whatever how old I was in 1979. And by 79, I'm driving down through Clearwater, and there's this old car. It looks like a spaceship that landed 40 years ago, sitting behind a building. Building's still down there, off Court Street. And I went over there, and this is, and I had been working for a friend who, um, Paul Terrorist in Chicago, as a teenager. And I worked on Packards and Cadillacs from the 30s and 40s, and Mustangs from the 60s. I was really well versed in cars, and I had about enough money to buy a gumball. <laughs> so I want I, you know, I was working at the Adams Mark Cribbing Golf Hotel at Bellman High School in August. I still have the receipt. I'm friends with the family for forty some years. I bought the car. I still have the car. It was a Shark, designed all, it was a convertible version designed by Glenn Gums, who was Henry Covington's partner. Henry designed a, a car, and his friend Augustus Raspit was an aerodynamics expert. Uh, so much so that there's a. I forgot University of Alabama. It's uh, if you look up Augustus Raspit, you'll find a whole college facility named after him that's into aerodynamics. I think he solved one of the problems that planes were exploding because of window treatment in the fifties, that when they were pressurizing cabins for the first time. Um, but he's very well known within the aerodynamics, so he helped contribute the theories for the Shark. And Henry ultimately wanted to turn a Porsche into, which I own one, a Porsche three fifty six on a using the Covington body sculpted. Um, but his first one, which I did find, too, was uh, built on a Renault 4CV, or Renault Falsch. I didn't get the memo about pronunciation. Or the uh, Dolphin. Renault 4CV. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know any of those. I, I could just call you. I call them all from how I learned. Okay. Dolphin, Renault, everything. Sheiks, shakes. I don't know. I never got the memo at all. Um, and so in, in Florida, it was really famous, the Shark, the hardtop version. And Henry was getting promotion. It was in Road Track. It was in Hot Rod Magazine. It was on the cover of Mechanics Illustrated. So anyone who knows about Covington, I'm 60, the person who asked that question, is possibly older than me. Yep. Ten years ago, I would say definitely, but um, possibly because they would have known Covington or known of him. You can go to the St. Petersburg Library, and there was a whole section on it. And I remember finding this car, and I'm 17, and I want to talk to the people. And they were, oh, we're never going to sell a kid. And then... I opened up the Auto Trader, if you remember, and there's the damn things for sale. And I just ran down there, and they said, "Well, we we sold it 
this guy wants to sell us, you know, he wants to buy it. It was the next little ad. You'll see it up on Facebook right now. And uh, I said, well, he said, well, you know you'd really like the car, so I had $350 in the bank. I said, I'll just give you everything I have, which they probably were very amused at. <laughs> I mean, the car had been sitting there for 20 years. And uh, so I um, I still had the, my, I went down, got the bill of sale, sold the bill of sale, and my brother signed it, who's much younger than me, and I signed it, and I rented a car trailer for the first time. It was, and we still have the car. 42, 43 years. And I found another one. They made six of the convertibles. And when I found another one, I've got a third one. And then I found the hard, finally, after 25 years of searching, I found the hard top. Never found another of the six hard tops that were built. So what do you think I did? I'm not okay. I built a mold of it. So we're building our first <laughs> one next year. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm weirder than you are. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Jeffrey, on that note, we were up against the clock. But here's what we're going to have to do. Um, next early part of next year i want to bring you back i'm gonna do a little bit more homework so i'm a little bit more verse but we'll have you back we'll have another full show and we'll talk about all this kind of stuff because i'm really looking forward to it. so real quick one more time for our listeners if they want to find out about uh a little bit more about undiscovered classics and forgotten fiberglass how do they go about doing it well it's fairly it's getting easier and easier i brought in a social media manager to help a good friend of mine mike puma and we're we're the, the website is Undiscovered Classics. You can also type in Forgotten Fiberglass. It goes to the same place. But we are, thanks to Michael, we are also on Instagram. And I don't know the other ones. I'm getting too old for all the social media. We're <laughs> in five different places. Something, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Oh, YouTube. I did a YouTube. YouTube, the, the, the website's the main one. But you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and something else and something else. So, <laughs> Sounds it, good. Uh, all right, Jeff. This is not my... Okay, all good. Thank anyway, you for the hey, invitation. And, and, and we'll have you back. And in the meantime, have a great uh, Merry Christmas to you and a great New Year. You too. Thank you again for the invite. And happy holidays to all your listeners. Okay. And Bobby. All right. Who's good. a listener? Thank you. Thank you. Thank all right. You. All right. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Winning Cars. Don't forget next week, our Christmas special. And uh, I want to thank my special guest, Jeffrey Hacker, Forgotten Fiberglass, Unforget, Undiscovered uh, Classics. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and see you at car shows and live your family. Deep and wide, break off to, to the other side. Break off to, to the other side. Break off to, break off to, break off to, break off to. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.